Hearing you from that, what was happening? Hi, so seriously, how's your guys' Christmas? It was good? Yeah? Awesome. If, if the, I'm just reading the room, it kind of feels like we're all a little comatose. Is that accurate? <laughs> okay, well, so we'll just tone down the audience participation part. That's fine. <laughs> okay, so three of you are awake and want more audience participation. Okay, great. Um, so Christmas was great for me, and there's a Christmas tradition that, that I do every year. I think most people in the room know that I sing with a barbershop chorus. Um, so if I've improved my singing over the last five years, it's because I sing a cappella music now. And every Christmas holiday, we do a holiday show, and we learn a bunch of music. Um, and some of that music is Jesus-centered music. By the way, my PowerPoint isn't quite up. Andrew? My PowerPoint isn't quite up. Can we work on that? Thank you. There it goes. You don't notice the difference, but I do. <laughs> um, so we sing all this Christmas music, and uh, some of it is Jesus' birth-focused, and the music team tries to create like a sentence of, hey, when you're singing this song, think about this. And they come up with a version almost with every Jesus-focused Christmas song that is something like this. Sing as if the Savior of the world has been born to save our souls for eternity. <laughs> and if they, these are people who don't, probably don't know Jesus, and so that's pretty good, right? Like, if you're going to sing a Christmas song, that's a pretty good filter to be thinking while you're singing it, right? And almost all, there's always like a, a little variation, but like if you're singing O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, you're like, all right, the Savior of the world has been born, save our souls for eternity, got it. And because I went to Bible college and because I think about things, I'm a brat when it comes to biblical knowledge, a part of me pauses and goes, okay, that's cool. And if we're singing this as if we're Christians in 2018, because we are, uh, and that's like, this is a great filter to think through. And if uh, the, the last four weeks as we were singing Christmas songs here at Lake Sam, if you were thinking that, man, you entered in the throne, like, that's a great, great thing to think. So, what's wrong with that? And for me, again, biblical scholar background, brat, uh, immediately I go, okay, that's great. But there's no way, there's no chance at all that the shepherds and the wise men and uh, the, the Jesus family and all the people were thinking of that when Jesus was born. There's no way at all. In fact, when uh, you read the, through the New Testament, all of Jesus' followers are constantly confused because they're expecting Jesus to be Messiah. And you're like, yeah, the Savior of the world been born to save our souls for eternity. Messiah, of course, right? But they didn't think like that. They're thinking, okay, we are slaves to Rome right now. And every time in the past when uh, we've been enslaved, something's happened, if you read all throughout the New Testament, there's this pattern. We become enslaved because we're disobedient. Then we cry out for a Messiah, a Savior. God sends a Messiah and sets us free. And we enter this golden era where everything's great. We're following God. We are on top. And then we forget God. And that's kind of a bummer. And we end up in slavery again. And then we cry out for a Messiah. And then God brings a Messiah to deliver us. And so when Every time in, in uh, Jesus' life when people are like, hey, you're the Messiah, right? What they're asking is, hey, you're going to be the king, right? This is like a David 2.0 
Batman Begins dark, gritty reboot situation, right? Like, you're going to be like David, but better. That's, what, that's the expectation they have. And so it makes total sense when John the Baptist is in prison, he tells John about everything Jesus was doing. So John called two of his disciples and sent them and asked the Lord, are you the Messiah we've been expecting? Or should we expect someone else? And for John the Baptist, at this point, he's likely in prison. So he's, he's, there's kind of an urgency for him where he's like, hey, you've been around for a little while uh, and we're all just waiting for your big move. I know it's going to be awesome. You're going to like take over Rome and like build a castle or something. I don't know. But if, if you could start that now, that'd be great if you're the Messiah. Or if you're not Messiah, if you're not going to be the king that's going to overthrow Rome, just tell us. Right? Or uh, other people were confused as well. When everyone was marveling at everything he was doing, Jesus said to his disciples, listen to me and remember what I say. The Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of his enemies. And if you're filtering Jesus through, you're the Messiah, you're the King, you're David 2.0, the sequel, that makes no sense at all. And so they didn't know what he meant. Its significance was hidden from them, so they couldn't understand it, and they were afraid to ask him about it. Because of course it doesn't make sense. He's the Messiah. So imagine your surprise if you're a good first century Hebrew. You've, you've learned about this baby named Jesus. You're like, he's going to be the king. We've anointed him king. He's going to be the Messiah. You grow, he grows up. He becomes this rabbi, this amazing rabbi. People follow him. He does miracles. He does all these things. And we're like, all right, his time is coming. He's going to establish his kingdom. This is going to be great. And instead, he gets captured, and he gets beaten, and he gets crucified, and he dies. What do you do in that moment? See, in that moment, you go, I guess we were wrong about him, huh? I I thought he was going to be the guy, but maybe not. We had expectation for him, and he really did not live up to my expectation. In fact, so far to the point that when he resurrects, people don't, he said it was going to happen, but people are like, I don't know what to do with that. And so when he was resurrected, when Jesus rose from the dead early on Sunday morning, the first person who saw him was Mary Magdalene, the woman from whom he had cast out seven demons. I like that Mark, when he writes his gospels, he adds little details like that. She went to the disciples who were grieving and weeping and told them what had happened. The disciples who were like grieving and weeping because they're like, yeah, the last three years of my life has been a waste because I thought that I was going to be like David's mighty men, but like Jesus' mighty men. And it turns out it's none of that. And she's like, hey, Jesus is alive. But when she told them that Jesus was alive and she had seen him, they didn't believe her. Of course not. Afterward, he appeared in different form to two of his followers who were walking from Jerusalem into the country. They rushed back to tell the others, but no one believed them. Of course, he's dead. Why are you still talking about it? Still later, he appeared to the 11 disciples as they were eating together. He rebuked them for their stubborn unbelief because they refused to believe those who had seen him after he'd been raised from the dead. And so we read that and we're like, yeah, Jesus rebuked those darn disciples because they just can't get it right. But it totally makes sense. If you followed a guy and you thought he was going to be the king and he's going to overthrow Rome and he didn't, you also probably wouldn't believe somebody if they're like, yeah, I saw him. He's alive again. We're like, no, we watched him die. Move on. There's probably another Messiah that's coming then who's going to overthrow Rome and it's going to be great. Let's wait for him. 
And isn't that our lives? I don't know about you, but there's areas in my life where I talk to God about something and I feel like I, I heard from the Lord, I'm, I'm got this. And then I go out and I, I try and respond obediently to what I feel like he's asked me to do. And it doesn't go well. I'm like, God, I thought we had an agreement. I thought we worked this out. I thought I heard from you. I had this expectation of you. I have a really close friend who I love so dearly who was struggling to have kids. And they got pregnant. And it was so exciting. And last week I got a call from them and they miscarried. And it was the most tragic news I've heard all year. And in that moment, there's this, this feeling of, God, I thought you provided. I thought this was it. What are you doing? Why aren't you answering me? And I have all these areas in my life that that's true of for me. Don't you? Isn't there this like, I thought I was going to get that job by now. I thought I was going to be married by now. I thought I was going to have kids by now. I thought that person that you love was going to be saved by now. Why aren't you answering me? I thought you were Messiah. Am I wrong? So what do you do when it feels like God's disappointed you? What do you do when you feel like, I thought he was the one? I thought he answered my prayer. I thought, I thought, I thought, and he didn't. That's where we're headed this morning. So we have John Y. praying for us. Thank you. Please lift up us. We need, I feel like I need this sermon as much as anyone else and uh, lift up another church warrior. In fact, we don't have to make this like a habit, but since this is week one, can we also lift up Kurt and Julie? So Lord, we just thank you that you have a purpose for us. Thank you, Lord. And Lord, you have a bigger plan than we have for us. And so when we get disappointed, um, it, Lord, I just pray that, that today's message would help us to understand um, more about who you really are and how, um, how your plans for us are better even than our plans for us. Thank you, Lord. And so, Lord, I pray for um, Kevin, Lord, that you would just speak through him this morning uh, in a way that uh, touches... Uh, but basically is your heart to each one of us, Lord. And I pray each one of us would walk away from here changed and with something uh, to start the new year off right. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we also pray for Kurt and Julie. Uh, I pray that, that, um, that as they're now in their new location for a while, Lord, that, that you would speak to them and, and um, just give them new vision and new heart. Um, Lord, give them insight in how to um, deal with the uh, parental care issues, Lord. Give them a special um, grace uh, for dealing with the difficulties that they're going to be, um, that they are facing. And Lord, we pray for Eastside Foursquare Church today, Lord, that you would um, just be a mighty um, voice in the people's lives there and that they would uh, hear you and they would be touched and uh, changed. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now that I think about it, I'm pretty sure Kurt specifically asked us not to do that, but that's fine. Sorry, Kurt, we prayed for you anyway. Deal with it. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's streaming, so. <laughs> yeah, what's he going to do? He's, he's far away. <laughs> Welcome to the sabbatical. <laughs> yeah, Adam's, Adam's getting texts from Kurt as we speak. 
So what I love about my relationship with God is that, and just the character of God, is that when I ask really hard questions like this, I don't feel like God is like, whoa, what are you doing? You can't ask that. You know what I mean? Like, he can totally handle this. In fact, all throughout Scripture, if you read from Genesis all through Revelation, it's full of people going, well, God, that doesn't seem right. Can you explain that to me? Or what are you doing? Why? And, and he just is so patient with us and answers us. And as I was processing this, here's the passage that I felt like he led me to for this sermon today. And it's in Colossians chapter 2. It says, And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. So you're like, that doesn't really have much to do with what we're talking about, but just wait, it does. So it's interesting to me that there's three kind of like actions in here for us to do. And they're continue to follow. So we already are like following Jesus, but like continue to do that. Let your roots grow. And what's interesting is it's let your roots grow, not let your fruit grow. Which I did a sermon like six months ago where I was like, hey, let's, let's grow fruit. And that's true. But in, in this passage, Paul isn't concerned with that. He said, let your roots grow down into him. It's assuming that you've already have roots. If you've, uh, if you've read Romans, which my last sermon, I was like, you should read Romans. So I'm, I know you all listened to me and you all did it. So if you read Romans, there's this, uh, this passage about how we, we who are Gentiles, not Jewish people, have been grafted into the kingdom of God. And it's literally like you take a dead branch, not probably not a dead branch, but it's God, he can do whatever he wants, and stick it onto a tree and it becomes a part of that tree. We've been grafted in. And because we've done, done that, because we know him, let us let our roots grow down into him and let our lives be built on him. So there's this uh, follow him, so there's this like forward motion. There's this roots grow down, so there's this depth and then our lives be built has this vertical. So uh, Johanna and I have been married for 11 years. It feels like forever. And uh, about a few years ago, we were having these conversations and uh, she would do this thing where she would start a sentence and then just kind of trail off. And at first it was hilarious. She'd be like, you know, I really think we should... And the way that I was raised, I don't interrupt people. <laughs> and I, like, I don't presume to know what she's thinking. And so I would just sit and I'm like, wait. And after a while, I'd be like, do you know what you're thinking? <laughs> do you know what you want to do? And, and she's like, yeah, yeah, I want to go to the store or whatever she, whatever she wanted to do. And so the first couple times she did this, it was really funny to me and funny to her. But after a while, it, it was like, weeks of this happening, we actually started to grow a little concerned because we were like, are you having a memory problem? Like, do we need to see a doctor? Because all the time it was, hey, afterwards we should... <laughs> and I'm like, she's still on 56K modem. She's buffering. Just wait for it. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> she says she wants. But it, it happened frequently enough that we're like, we started scheduling like a naturopath to take a look at her and like go to the doctor and things like that. And we were really concerned that there was something wrong. And then uh, the, right around Christmas time, not this year, but a few years ago, we went down to visit her family. And as we were 
uh, we went out to lunch or something like that. And as the, when we were driving home, her dad was like, hey, you know, I would really like to. And then everyone else in their family in the car was like, go to the store, go home, watch a movie, get some food. <laughs> yes, that one. <laughs> I was like, oh, interesting. Okay. I'm paying attention. And then so we, whatever it was, we, I think we wanted to like go watch a movie or something. And then her mom would go, well, let's see, we could watch. And then everyone else in the car in the family would be like, this movie, this movie, this movie, this movie, this, yes, that one. Okay, great. <laughs> and we'd do that. And this whole time, it was like they were like, I just need a menu of options and I just want to say which one it is. And I realized Johanna doesn't have like brain damage or anything. She's totally fine. She just grew up in this culture where she never had to finish a sentence. <laughs> and sure enough, like, Everyone in her family does this, and no one's offended by it. It's not like, stop interrupting me, let me think, let me finish the sentence. It's just, thank you. I don't have to, I don't have to worry about the second half of that sentence. <laughs> it's wild to me. I, I, I cannot understand it. I still, we were there this last week, and I watched it happen again and again. We were like, we watched uh, Mary Poppins Returns. Loved that movie mixed reviews apparently, but I really liked it. And we we're at a restaurant afterwards and her mom was like, you know, I really liked that trailer for, and then everyone in the room, including my six-year-old nephew, was like, Secret Life of Pets 2, no, Aquaman, no, <laughs> yes, that one, the King Arthur one, yes, thank you. <laughs> like, and she was so overjoyed that she didn't have to actually like think fully about her sentence. And so now that I know that this is what Johanna does, I still don't, I'm still going to let her finish. And she's, she's learned how to finish her sentences. But now we at least know there's nothing wrong. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to ask Vignesh to come up. Vignesh, you get to be Jesus right now. Congratulations. Thank you. Although if you've listened to the intro, we're all mad at you probably. Uh, so this is Jesus. Thank you. Thank you for that. You got the theatricality down. <laughs> so how do we normally interact with Jesus? Here's how I normally interact with Jesus. Either this will be like a Sunday church or devotional or he, he brings someone to mind so I'm praying and I'm like, okay, God, I have a heart for this person over here. What do I do? And he'll tell me what to do and I'll be like, great, thank you. And then I'll go off and I'll do what I think he asked me to do. And then I'll come back, and I'll be like, that didn't work very well, Jesus. Like, you asked me to go talk to this person about you, and I did, and they just weren't very receptive. And he's like, okay, well, I want you to go talk to that person. I'm like, got it. Talk to that person about you. Got it. And I walk back over here, and I have this conversation. It doesn't go well. So I walk back over, and I'm like, Jesus, they're a tough nut to crack, man. Like, we got to work on them. What, what's next? He's like, I want you to go talk to them. And I'm like, got it. And this process repeats. And I feel like at, at some point, he, Jesus goes, I really want you to talk to that person. I'm like, excellent. Talk to them more about you. I got it. We're aligned. We, our visions match. We're, we're in. And I go, and he's, if, if he would shout at me, he'd go, we are not aligned. Your heart is not my heart. You don't know what I want because you keep, he keeps saying, I want you to talk to them. And I go, about you. Got it. And I fill in the rest of the blank. Oh, you want to watch Aquaman? Got it. Oh, you want to go to the store? Got it. And if, if I would just sit here for a little bit longer, God, what do you want me to do? Oh, you want me to talk to them? Okay, about what? And here's what, what happens differently. 
What if there's more? What if instead I say, what do you want me to do? I want you to talk to them. Great. Now, would you go with me? Because I want to follow you and I want to be rooted in you. I want this connection to be good. And so, okay, Lord, you want me to talk to that person. So we take a step and I take a step with him. And then, okay, you want me to talk to them about sports? That seems weird, but okay. And we take another step. And then, oh, now you want me to talk to them about what the, this great Marvel movie I just watched. And we take a step. That's just not about you, but, you know, I'm following you. So you're leading in the way. So great. And now I want you to talk just about your life in general. Okay. And we're going this way. Oh, we're going towards the keyboard. I didn't see that coming. And then I just, he, as we continue to take step and step and step, I'm listening to him and, and I'm following him and my, I'm growing deeper and deeper in this connection and I find myself going off the stage in a place I would never have expected to be in this moment because I'm following him. And back when he was over there, I never would have come here on my own because why would I come here? It doesn't make sense for me to come here. But when I'm rooted in this connection, when I'm growing here, then I can follow him. And, I can, and after all of those steps that we've, we've taken, my life is being built up in him. And this is what my life looks like. Thanks for, Master, for being Jesus. You're a great Jesus. <laughs> so I say that, and there's, I, I heard a couple of people that that was a revelation, but for, for a lot of us, we're like, yeah, I get it. Follow Jesus obviously. Like, that's not terribly deep. What does this look like? Well, you heard an example. If, if, if he leads me to pray for someone, great. I'll pray for them. God, what do you want me to pray for them for? Awesome. When do you want me to pray for them? How should I pray for them? It's like being a detective. You want to know everything there is to know about the situation. Because it's possible that he's going to have you be in a conversation where you're talking about sports or gaming or a movie or something. You're like, that's not spiritual. But he has something intended for that conversation. And then if you just wait, the next step might be, I want you to tell him about me. You don't know. Or uh, for me, one of the, the ways that this plays itself out is praying in tongues. So uh, Kurt did a sermon a few months ago about praying in tongues, so, and I, I hopefully everyone here um, prays in tongues. It's awesome. And before I came to Lake Sam, I had this understanding about tongues, and it was this like, you, you just kind of pray in tongues, you need a little extra oomph in a prayer, right? Like you'd gather, and one person would pray in English, and everyone else would just kind of pray in tongues. And you have no idea what you're saying, and if, if like it was a really a really urgent matter, you'd pray really hard in tongues, like really intensely in tongues. And at the end, you're like, done. Through my magic Holy Spirit at the situation, I think we're good. And listen, you prayed in tongues. That did probably make a difference. But you don't know what you're saying. You're not edifying. And when I came to Lake Sam and having conversations with Kurt about what is it, what, what it, why do we pray in tongues, what's the point? There's, there's more to this thing than we're doing. Because we can all be in a circle and I can pray in tongues, but then if I go, okay, God, you're having my voice say something. It seems important. <laughs> so give me the word of what I'm saying. Tell me what I'm saying. Because if you don't, I'm not edified. I don't know what I'm saying. It doesn't help me at all. 
But if you give me my interpretation for what I'm saying, then suddenly I'm like, wow, that's really cool that you did that, God. And then if I get an interpretation, I go, great. Is this for me or is this for someone else? Great. Should I share this with this group? Whatever. And we just keep digging in, keep asking more and more and more. Because the point is revelation. It's not just throwing spiritual energy at something, which is like the most new age thing I've ever said from a pulpit. The, the point is revelation. But that's not entirely true either. See, it matters that we pray. And it matters that, the, that when we pray, we're actually bringing the kingdom of God to earth. That matters. That makes a huge difference. That's why we're here. But the point of this whole thing is not revelation. The point of this thing is relationship. See, the point is that we're digging in. We're growing in our faith. We're learning to follow him. Our roots are growing deep and our lives are being built on him. So if you follow me on social media or you follow my wife, you know we have a dog. That's Lexi. Johanna took that picture five days ago on Christmas. And what you don't see is like kind of right here. Johanna's like on the floor. She's going, ooh, ha, Lexi, look, ha, ooh, ee, ha, look at me. And Lexi's just like, what's this ornament doing? Until she finally like captured that amazing picture. It's great. So our story is the classic like meme of Johanna really wanted a dog and I really didn't want a dog. So we compromised and got a dog. I don't know how that happened. <laughs> I just came home one day and uh, this was here. I know, right? But look into those eyes. What you don't understand is that this is a puppy and puppies are evil. <laughs> she looks cute with a little dragon, but evil. We decided after getting her within, within two weeks, we were like, we are never getting a puppy ever again. If we get another dog, we're getting a full-grown dog because this was terrible. We would, like, she was just boundless energy. Of course, she's a puppy. And she had no idea what to do with it. So she would just run around everywhere and she wanted to play with us, but she doesn't know how to play with us, so she would bite us and claw us and just run everywhere. And then she'd poop in the house and it was horrible. And then she'd eat all our furniture and it was terrible. It was, it was to the point, like, no joke, where we would text each other and be, and the reason that she's still in our lives is because we both didn't give up at the same time. For real, because there was, there was moments where I would text her and be like, we can't, I can't do this. I just, I'm tired of cleaning up bruises from my arms. Like, I'm just tired of coming home and the entire bedroom is covered in whatever she ate 12 hours prior. I just don't want to do it anymore. And Hannah would be like, I know, I'm sorry, but she, we're, we're working on it. And then a couple days later, I get a text from her. I can't do it. Let's just find a nice family and give her to someone else. And I'd be like, no, we can't do that. You asked for this. <laughs> so we had different motivations. <laughs> but, so what did we do? We trained her. We taught her. And uh, there, this thing that dogs do that drove me nuts where she would be like running around like crazy and I like get her attention and she'd do this like bow thing 
but she, because she's a puppy, she'd do this like leaping bow and like bow before me and like run around and stuff. And I'm, and she, I'm like, ah, you stepped on my feet. Why are you doing this? Why are you like this? Why are you the worst? And I looked it up online because I'm like, what is this dog trying to communicate to me? And I learned that when puppies do that like bow before you, it's a combination of I really want to play and I love you. And I was like, oh, she just wants to play with me. Okay, we'll play. Sure, I'll get bite marks on my arms. That's fine. And over time, I've, I've you know, you can only come home and see like a dog head pop up in the window and see a tail wag behind her. You only do that so many times before she just crawls her way into your heart and you're like, I just love this dog. But in between those moments, <laughs> it was terrible. And we would be like, okay, we need to teach her some stuff. So we taught her how to sit and we taught her how to stay and we taught her how to play in a way where she didn't destroy us. And we, would, we wanted her to be good when people come over to the house because when she was a puppy, my brother would come over and then when he left, he was like, I'm not coming over anymore. Like, that was too much. I'm like, I, get, I totally understand. Because uh, she was just a nightmare. And so we would actually make her, we, Johanna did all the work. What am I kidding? Uh, we made her, like, sit in her bed. We'd call it place. And she would lie in her bed. She was allowed to have toys or whatever. She could hang out and chill. But she couldn't leave that spot for, like, an hour or two at a time. And then once she was comfortable with that, we would put her in place. And then we'd go over and we'd take a toy and we'd, like, squeak it over here. And we'd be like, no, you got to stay in your place, man. And then when she got used to that, we would put her in her place, and then I would go outside, and I'd ring the doorbell. And then she'd, like, try and get up. I'm like, nope, you got to stay in your place. And eventually, we trained her to where, like, I I'm going to have some people come over pretty soon, and so you're thinking that she's going to be cool. She's still going to be, like, we're still going to have to, like, corral her a little bit. But she can now have people come over, and it's cool. <laughs> My brother now comes over, and he's like, I love your dog. She's great. She's chill. We, I can now take her on walks with other and she can introduce herself to other dogs and she's the best behaved dog that we interact with regularly. But it came because we trained her. And the whole time we were training her, I, I, I don't know because I don't, I don't speak dog, but I imagine that in the process of the training process, she's going, you're making me sit. You're making me lie down on the floor. Why are you doing this? What's wrong with you? I want to play. Why aren't you letting me play? And the reason I wasn't letting her play is because I really, really wanted a relationship with that dog. And if I just let her do whatever she wanted, there's no way we could have had a relationship. She was driving me wild. There's no way she could have a relationship with anyone that came over to my house ever. There's no way she could interact with other dogs if she didn't learn how to be trained. So we trained her, and we knew the plan, and she didn't. And still to this day, we'll put the leash on her, and uh, we go to the door, and I make her sit, and we open the door, and then we look out first and make sure that there's no other dogs coming or anything. And we have a leash on her, so what's going to happen? But it's still this like training thing of like, no, remember, I'm in charge, and you're trained, and you're going to behave, because that's what we agreed on, because we have relationship. Aren't we that puppy? Isn't that us? We have this like boundless energy for God. We're like, Jesus, I love you. You're the best. Oh, let's play. Oh, let's do all these things. I want to worship you. Oh, it's going to be great. <laughs> fetch? You haven't even thrown the stick yet, but I'll fetch. Great. And this whole time, God's like, yes, 
but for us to have a relationship, I got to do some work on you. For us to have a relationship, I need to teach you how to go to place and let the door open without you freaking out. Because I love you, because I want relationship with you, it's not about revelation, it's about relationship. So yeah, you can go and have your conversation and then go and then come back and be like, that didn't work. But eventually, you're going to take me with you because that's the goal is relationship. So there's this clip that illustrates this really well. And it's uh, uh, from a movie that I grew up with called Toy Story. I know. I got I to gotta bring the, uh, the kid beat to the, to the pulpit. So this is towards the end of the movie. And I'll just let it speak for itself. Oh, I know, right? You just want to watch the whole movie now. All, like, 13 of them that are coming out. So, are you the Messiah we've been expecting? Or should we keep looking for someone else? And this morning, I think God would tell us, you're looking at the truck. We're not aiming for the truck. Jesus cured many people of their diseases illnesses and evil spirits, and he restored sight to many who were blind. And then he told John's disciples, go back to John and tell him what you've seen and heard. The blind see, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. That's not actually a direct answer to the question, are you the Messiah? And if Jesus was like, yes, then they'd be like, awesome, cool, you're going you're gonna to overthrow Rome. But that's not what he was doing. That was never what he was going to do. The thing they were asking for, Jesus was never going to be that guy. He was never going to answer that prayer the way they wanted. But don't mistake him not answering their prayer for him doing nothing. He was doing stuff. In fact, we've been looking at the truck the whole time. Why am I not married yet? Why don't I have a kid yet? Why is this person not saved? Why am I, don't I have the career I want? Why don't I have whatever? Why are you not answering my prayer? And he's not aiming for the truck. Stop looking at the truck. He's got something deeper in mind. And, spoiler alert, it involves relationship. And so we continue to press in. We continue to ask him for things. Of course, but we don't ask him for something and then walk away. We take him with us. We continue to let our lives be rooted in him. Moses said this so well. If it's true you look favorably on me, let me know your ways so I may understand you more fully and continue to enjoy your favor. And remember, this nation is your very own people. See, before this, uh, God was like, the Israelites are wicked. I'm not gonna go with them on this journey in the desert. I'll go with you, Moses, and your family. You'll be okay. 
but I'm not going to go with them. And Moses is like, please, we need you to do this. The Lord said, I'll personally go with you, Moses, and I'll give you rest. Everything will be fine for you. And Moses said, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. How will anyone know that you look favorably on me and me and on your people if you don't go with us? For your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all other people on the earth. If we don't take him with us, if, we don't, if he doesn't go with us, if we're not rooted in him and we're not following him, let's not even go. It's not even worth the trying to work out the thing that we're praying. But we take him with us. It's about relationship. See, he has more answers than we're asking questions. And is he going to answer all of our questions? Of course not. But the problem is, we're not even giving him the opportunity to not answer us. We're just going, hey, will you, you give me that thing I want? No? All right. And, and well, he didn't, did he say that? I don't know. Maybe he didn't, maybe not. But there's so much more. Because in the end, he wants to be known. And he wants us to know him. And he knows us completely, but he wants us to know that he knows us completely. And so the point of all of this is to know him. So with that in mind, it's really interesting. This sermon is this perfect gap, uh, and this is not a, a gloat. I didn't plan this. It's just how God worked. It's the perfect gap between Christmas and what we're doing in January. Because in Christmas, we all look at Jesus' birth and go, there's the Messiah, and then we're disappointed because he's not the Messiah we think, and it turns out he's actually something so much greater, so much better, so much more majestic. We were looking at the truck, and he wasn't even aiming for the truck. And the series that we're going to in January is about knowing him. So for this next few months, we're looking at the names of God. And we're doing it uh, not just because the names of God are cool and you can, you can sound great in a coffee shop to be like, Yahweh Shalom, what's up? But because that name is God revealing who he is to us. And if we'll dig into that, we'll know him more. And we may not get an answer to why we aren't married yet or why we don't have kids yet or why we don't have the job yet or whatever answer we need. But our relationship with him will be in such a way that it will matter, but it won't matter if we get what we want or not. It won't matter if we don't get what we want right now. Because all he gives me is the next step. I don't know about you. But all I know is the next step is going to be a step that I'm following him. That I'm rooted in him. And that I'm being built up in him. So Jesus, we come before you. We thank you that we don't get what we want because you have a deeper purpose in mind. Lord, we come before you, and we do lift up our, our jobs that need to be changed. We do lift up our family members that need to be saved. We do lift up the uh, people in our lives that want to be married and aren't and want to have kids and, and don't. That want, Whatever problems we find in our lives that are actual real problems, we bring them into your presence and we ask you to work with, with those things. But we uh, do it not because we want to get what we want, but because we want to know you. So would you reveal your heart for us? God, would you continue to dig into us as we dig into you? God, would you help us not to ask you for something and then walk away, but to bring you with us? Because truly, I don't want to go anywhere if you're not going to go with, God. 
God, I don't want to try and get people to know you if you're not going to come too. I don't want to do lunch today if you're not going to be there too. So God, help us to be rooted in you. Help us to follow you. And as we continue to do that, help us to see that our lives are piece by piece, brick by brick, being built up in you. Thank you, Lord. I praise your name. Go ahead and reach in front of you.